The scripture reading for this morning is Galatians 4, verse 4 through verse 7. This can be found on page 974 in the Black Bible. Galatians 4, starting in verse 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. Good morning, everyone. Hey, Merry Christmas. The, um, my name is Mark, and I'm one of the pastors here, and we're glad you're here. We're glad to celebrate Christmas with all of you. And I'm excited to see just how this day turns out. It's a little bit odd to have Christmas Eve on a Sunday, so we'll see exactly what kind of crowd we get today and tonight. But I'm glad, I'm glad to see all of your faces. The word, uh, the word Advent, if you don't know, the word Advent means arrival, the arrival of something notable, the arrival of a notable person or a notable thing or a notable event. And we celebrate Advent during this season, the season of Christmas, because Advent is the arrival of the most notable person in all of human history. That's what we mean by Advent. That's the defining reality of this season. It's the defining reality of our lives, and it's the defining reality of the universe. There's nothing more central to the universe than Jesus. There's nothing more central to human understanding or human relationships or the material universe at all than Jesus Christ, full stop. Christians celebrate Advent not only because we're aware of those truths, but because we love them. And whether or not you love Jesus, he's still the person that holds the universe together. Whether or not you know what Christ offers, that he offers forgiveness, whether or not you know that, he's still the person that holds the entire universe together. It was created for him and through him. The lights that you see during the Christmas season are because Christ is the light of the world, the only light. The nativity scenes, the family get-togethers, the joy and the rejoicing that you encounter are because God came to us. He pays the cost to restore and reconcile shattered relationships, the shattered relationship that, that humanity had with him and the shattered relationships that we have with one another. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit exist in perfect fellowship and perfect loving relationship with one another. And we were created to love God and enjoy him forever. And the love of God streams out. It, it streams forth. The love of God is like a fountain that spills over constantly and it's spilled over into creating the world at all. I'm not saying that love is seen in the world. I'm saying that God's Trinitarian love is the reason that the universe exists at all. We focused on Advent the first week. We focused on hope because Jesus is the hope of the world. Then we focused on peace because Jesus is the answer to all the promises of true transformational peace in the scriptures. 
Then we walked and we talked about uh, joy because the good news about Jesus is what gives Christians the reason for their deepest and most abiding joy. And now from this text about our adoption, we see that Jesus came so that you and I could be welcomed into the very family of God. The, the essence of God's love for us is that he goes and gets us and makes us his own. There are a few truths in the scriptures that demonstrate the love of God like his adoption of sinners like you and me. And this week is about the love of God and the love of God demonstrated specifically in our adoption as sons and daughters of the living God. The triune love of God is demonstrated in the fact that the advent of Jesus Christ was for our adoption. Put simply, God the Father sent Jesus the Son so that we could be adopted. And if you remember just one thing from today, my prayer is that that would be it. That Advent exists so that God can adopt you. And we aren't exactly orphans before he adopts us. We are slaves. So, what has to happen for you and me to become children of God, the text says, is that God had to send his son to redeem us so that we could be made his heirs. His kids instead of slaves, slaves to sin and wickedness and unrighteousness, children of wrath. So Christmas is about adoption. And in order to understand that today, I'm going to walk us through three movements. Number one, God invaded a hopeless situation. Number two, God made us his sons. And number three, God gives us his spirit. So before I walk through those, let me pray for us. And would you all pray with me? Bow your heads and pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son to redeem us. Thank you that you sent your son to change everything. Thank you for Christmas. Thank you for Advent. I pray this morning that you would awaken our hearts to love that reality more. I pray that you would awaken our hearts that the, the reality that we're adopted into the household of God, that that reality would sink down deeper into the, the, the things that orient our passions, our pursuits, our loves, and our loyalties. Would our adoption into your family be something that orients us and changes us? Fill us with faith this morning. Spirit of God, convict us, control us, transform us, comfort us, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, I know kiddos are in here this morning, so I'm going to be running hard and fast, but I'm stoked. I love having the kids in the service. Just, just so you know, um, none of your kids can yell as loud as my daughter can. I'm not worried. I'm not nervous. I will not be uh, distracted. So I'm glad they're in the service. I'm really glad. It's a beautiful thing. That means that God's blessing us with children. Amen? Amen. All right. So first, God invaded a hopeless situation. I wanted to start here because it's crucial for us to understand what's going on. Crucial. Human beings are not inherently good. They're inherently sinful. 
Human beings are not inherently neutral. Human beings, human beings are not born tabula rasa. We're not born with a blank slate. You and me are born into a family, but I'm not talking about your biological family. I'm talking about your membership in the family of a fallen and sinful humanity. I'm talking about the inheritance of the, of the wrath of God that we're all born deserving. Ephesians 2, 1 through 3 says it this way. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that's now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind." We were sons, but not of God. We were children, but not his children. We were children of wrath because we were sons of disobedience. We were dead. We were following the course of this world. We were following the prince of the power of the air. We were following a spirit that's at work in sons of disobedience because we all once lived in the passions of our flesh and were by nature children of wrath. Like the rest of mankind, you and me by nature start out as children of wrath like the rest of mankind. That's the situation. That's the hopeless darkness that God had to invade. That's the spot that we are in. No one's born a blank slate. No one's born neutral kind of 50-50 situation. All of mankind is doomed and in wrath from the moment we crashed in the Garden of Eden. When Adam fell, we all fell with Adam. That's whose children we are. And we need God's intervention. The truth is, is that we're all fallen. We're all sinful. We're all broken. We're all unrighteous before a holy God. And we need the intervention of Jesus Christ to change that. And that brings us to the first kind of wonderful doctrine this morning that I want to touch on. And it's the doctrine of justification. Okay? You see, we all need God's forgiveness we need the suffering and punishment for sin to be applied to Jesus and not to us. We need the righteous obedience of Jesus Christ to be imputed to us. Justification is one of the central doctrines of the entire gospel. From, from the Protestant Reformation, especially on down, justification has been heralded as crucial and critical and foundational to the life of the believer and our understanding of salvation. Luther and Calvin both considered justification the hinge on which salvation turned. And in our text, it says that God sent his son at the right time to redeem us, to redeem us, that is to purchase our freedom for us out of slavery to sin by receiving sins, just punishment for us. That's what Jesus did. Justification is the doctrine by which we are made right before God. We're justified by grace through faith, and that faith is a gift. Listen to the words of uh, J.I. Packer. Quote, justification by which we mean God's forgiveness of the past, together with his, his acceptance for the future, is the primary and fundamental blessing of the gospel. Justification is the primary blessing because it meets our primary spiritual need. 
We all stand by nature under God's judgment. His law condemns us. Guilt gnaws at us, making us restless, miserable, and in our lucid moments, afraid. We have no peace in ourselves because we have no peace with our maker. So we need the forgiveness of our sins and assurance of a restored relationship with God more than we need anything else in the world. And this The gospel offers us before it offers us anything else, end quote. Justification is our deepest spiritual need. We're born in this hostile relationship with God, and we need to be justified. God justifies us by sending his son to die on the cross in our place, and this is the redemption needed to have our guilt cleared. God is just, and he's also a judge. He's the judge of all the earth. And once we stood condemned, but now in Christ, we stand before a judge completely righteous, no longer guilty, no longer condemned, completely forgiven, completely cleansed and made right in our relationship with this holy and just judge but, but our text this morning is not only about freedom from slavery and standing in front of a judge. It's about standing in front of a father. And, and this is why J.I. Packer goes on in the same quote to say this. This is not to say that justification is the highest blessing of the gospel. Adoption is higher because of the richer relationship with God that it involves. Justification is our primary need and primary blessing, but adoption is the highest blessing that we receive. The love of God comes to us through the death of Christ and it clears away all our guilt and it does more than clear away our guilt. The love of God in Christ provides forgiveness for every sin in our hearts, and it does more than provide forgiveness for our sin. The love of God in Christ comes to unrighteous people like you and me, and it gives us, it imputes to us a righteousness of Christ in us so that we're made right before God. And the love of God in Christ does more than that. God goes further. God makes himself our Father, our Father, the just judge of the universe, adopts us as his very own. And this is my second movement. God makes us his sons. I want to read, I want to read a parallel passage from Ephesians chapter 1 quickly. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. 
The Apostle Paul uses different words at different times for our status in the family or in the household of God. Sometimes he calls us children, but he uses the word son in our text today for a reason. That word has specific implications. One commentator points out that in, in the Roman custom, children were seen basically as slaves until they reached a, a certain age of responsibility. And then they were given kind of full rights as sons. That's the concept that he's getting at here. We have those full rights as sons. If you're a daughter of your heavenly father, you're a son with regard to full rights as a son, full rights to your inheritance in Christ. Your identity, your station, your heritage is as a full-fledged son of the living God, so much so that you can cry out to him as Abba, Father. That term isn't childish, but it is intimate. We're told that God relates to us with this level of intimacy. More than a justified slave, we are his children. And unlike natural adoption, God decided to adopt us before we ever existed. Before the foundations of the world, God set his love on us to come and get us while we were still his enemies. This is the heart of the Father. He looks out, he looks through eternity and says, he's mine. Or he says, she's mine. That's why I love adoption. That's why I love natural adoption so much. There's nothing in the world quite like it. When mom and dad go to a child, a child who's lost the opportunity to have capable and loving parents, and those new parents aim their love in that child's direction and commit to them and say, we want to make you ours. We want to make you our children. I can't overstate it. There's, there's few things in the universe that display the heart of God, the heart of the Father, like adoption does. This is why our text on adoption is perfect for this week in Advent, focusing on the love of God. Because of God's love for us, he predestined us to adoption. In love, he planned on it. In love, in love, the eternal counsels of God's will, he set his sovereign affection upon us. Us who are born guilty, us who are born sinful, who are born hating God, born rebellious and wicked and disobedient, God comes to us and he says, I want to make you my son. I want to make you my daughter. All the way all the way, not almost, not halfway, not kind of like my son or my daughter, with all the full rights and all the full privileges that comes by being a son, that's what he's doing. And this all comes from faith. Galatians 3, 26 says, for in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. Christ was born and at just the right time. He was born as a man. Just like we're all born from women. Christ was born under the law, just like we were born under the law. To redeem those under the law, that's us. So that Christ could redeem us, so that we might receive adoption. Christ came for the sake of adoption. That's how much God loves it. And because we've been adopted, God sends his spirit. 
We're united to Christ, and we're united to Christ in such a way that we're able to cry, Abba, Father. That phrase isn't in the scriptures very often, but it's a phrase that Jesus himself uses. In Mark 14, Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's praying the night before he's crucified, and he cries out, and he says, Abba, Father, All things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. That's the word that Jesus himself uses to speak to his father in the final moments before his crucifixion. This phrase isn't childish or trite, but it is intimate. It's packed with the pleading and groaning intimacy of a son praying to his father for refuge, for relief. In Galatians 4, 6, it says, we've been given the spirit of that son. We've been given the spirit of his son with which we cry to him as our father, just like Jesus did. Because we're made sons, we have that kind of intimacy with God by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is my final movement, is that God gives us his very spirit. That's the love of God, that he brings us into the most intimate relationship with himself. He gives us his spirit. And this was always a part of the plan. On the night that Christ died, there was a curtain in the temple, in the temple that was torn in two from top to bottom. Just as Christ's body was ripped apart, this curtain was torn in two, and this curtain, curtain was used to separate God's people from his presence. But now, now that presence is released and given to all his sons and daughters. His spirit and his presence is given to his people, it's given to the church, it's given to us like it had never been given to his people in all of history before then. At the perfect time, at the perfect time, Jesus came. And at the perfect time, God's word tells us this, that, that it, was, it was perfect in multiple ways. Different theologians say different things. But we know that it was the perfect time because he's told us that it was perfect. And when you contrast this reality from other stories in the Old Testament, you see the significance of this reality. At one time, only Moses approached God, but now we can all approach God. At one time, one priest once a year got to go into the deepest place of the presence of God, and now we all have God's spirit within us. Once we were under the weight of the law, and now we're under grace. Once we were slaves to various passions of our flesh, but now we have been made sons. David Platt and Tony Morita point out three blessings that we receive from our sonship in Christ. And this Christmas Eve, I want to offer those three blessings to you as well. First is, if you're a Christian this morning, you're, you're never, you're never without a father. Even those of us who've had godly fathers in our lives are still fully aware of their weaknesses and their shortcomings and their sins, but you can still take comfort today because this text assures us that God has purposed from before all time 
to be the father of those who place their faith in Christ. And he's not like our earthly fathers. He's perfect in every way. He's powerful and loving and true. And he makes commitments to you to be good to you, to never leave you, to never forsake you. If you're celebrating Christmas this year with faith in Jesus, then even if you don't have an earthly father, you have God as your heavenly father forever, forever. You have a perfect father now, and you will have a perfect father for all of eternity. Another blessing that they mention is an eternal family. The Christmas season provides a unique and and perfect context to meditate on this blessing because even those of us with good families understand that our families could never be for us everything that we truly need. And many of us in this room know the, the pain and suffering and disappointment caused by brokenness and sin in our families. Many of us have suffered from family secrets, or family sins. And, and even when you look around the room at this specific church family, while this is an untold, profound blessing in our lives, it's still a shadow of what is to come. Something more profound that we are, that we are co-heirs with Christ, that we are brothers and sisters of Jesus, There's a household, a household of God that we have been made a part of. We have become members of that family forever, forever. And the final blessing I'm going to mention this morning is that we have an eternal home. Because Christ came to redeem us so that we could be adopted, now we've been brought into an eternal, secure home. For here we have no lasting city, the writer of Hebrews says, but we seek a city that is to come. This fallen world isn't our home. The longing that you have for home is a longing that's forever fulfilled through your adoption. And your adoption isn't shaky and it isn't trembling. It's sturdy and secure. If you're in Christ this morning, your adoption isn't in any danger of being taken away. It isn't in any danger of changing. God doesn't have any vulnerabilities. No one corrects him. No one judges him. No one tells him what to do. And no one and nothing can take our adoption away from us. He's the highest authority in the universe. And he says to you today, you're mine. You're mine. God doesn't adopt us temporarily. He doesn't adopt us with a list of stipulations or conditions. He remakes us and claims us as his own children. Through the life and death, resurrection and ascension of his son, he gives us a completely new identity in the most foundational way possible. Who you are is different than who you were before you met Christ. The love of God on this Christmas Eve is his love to send his son to redeem you, to make you a son forever to make you a daughter forever with every privilege that comes with that. 
with an eternal home, an eternal family, and an eternal father. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we look to you. We look to you this morning. We look to you to strengthen our faith. We look to you for help. We look to you longing to experience our adoption in your household as more real and more significant and more beautiful and more glorious to us than it was before. Would you help us to feel that, to understand that, to delight in that, to treasure that, to relish that reality? We've all, if our faith is in Christ, we've all been adopted into your home, your family. Increase our faith this morning. And I pray that you would help that reality Make the, the, uh, the birth of Jesus shine brighter to us and be more radiant to us, we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen.